Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel. It's week three of the E-Series, and the following successful uh, uh, edition of Max Verstappen last week, there's been uh, four more new entries, uh, Craig. It's uh, fascinating to see Simona making her return to the series, so to speak. Uh, Will Power, a long-time man who's been racing in and around Australia, of course. Thomas Randall and Brody Kostecki, all adding to the series. It's uh, a fascinating thing and, and very big this week, of course, with Bathurst being the uh, venue with uh, three races uh, happening uh, tomorrow night, isn't it, uh, Craig? On Wednesday night, we'll see yeah, Will Power. That'll be interesting. Will Power and Scott McLaughlin have been having some interesting battles in the IndyCar series, so great to see Will Power racing in the Australian series. And uh, Simona coming back for Bathurst. It'd be interesting to see how she goes uh, with the fans deciding whether she'll drive a Ford or a Holden. <laughs> yes, interesting bit of driving gets to get the fans to choose that. Um, the, the series, Craig, uh, uh, it looks likely it's certainly, it's certainly getting some coverage. I mean, mainstream media getting television uh, appearances and certainly something in the press. It's uh, different, um, and uh, for instance, things like Verstappen obviously got uh, some uh, some good ground uh, coverage last week. Yes, this is uh, there's another four weeks to go. So what's what's the case here now with the government and uh, supercars getting back on track? Well, the E series goes for ten weeks. The Morrison government has announced an extension of the lockdown procedures, which was not unsurprising to the end of to the end of May and then depending on the caseload numbers there will be some decisions made as to how the easing back would go now a lot of people are anticipating that the easing back will be along the same lines as how we eased into it and that means that if we go back in the same manner it'll be at 500 people maximum at any event so Supercars now is working diligently to work out how they can hold events with only 500 people, which would mean almost certainly you'd be uh, virtually no, um, virtually no uh, support races. They'd be supercar races um, with maybe at a pinch the Super 2s and then uh, they'll be looking at a whole range of different measures to be able to make sure they meet whatever guidelines are put in place. But I think they're currently working on the 500 people rule, which was the way in. Now, there's no guarantee that it'll be 500, Tony. The government might say, all right, we can have up to 1,000. But they are preparing themselves for races without a crowd, and that could be critical for events like uh, Townsville, Gold Coast and Newcastle, because would the governments, news, uh, New South Wales and Queensland, want to put on events without a crowd there? Would they, uh, a street race event, they'd have the interruption to a city, which would generate some jobs, there's infrastructure work there that is able to go on, but uh, 
is it worthwhile doing it when you're not going to get the tourism directly? That will be something that the governments and supercars will have to decide, and that one's going to be critical to how it all plays out. Well, it'll certainly be interesting to uh, see how that pans out. Around the world, motor racing is on hold, and uh, this week, of course, we've got a bit of a treat for fans. Uh, A man who uh, carved his niche well and truly in Australia as an engineer in Jeff Doc Slater is uh, talking to us and giving us his view of American racing and why he went there and and what's uh, been happening. Doc, of course, uh, was the engineer that uh, got the double in one year. While it was not one year, he tried to win the Bathurst 1000 and the 12-hour, but uh, that's what he successfully did. He engineered a McLaren with the Techno team, and then uh, the same year they won the Bathurst 1000 with Will Davison and John O'Webb. Uh, driving. Unfortunately, the team has uh, taken a bit of a dive in recent uh, times, but uh, Jeff uh, will give us his view of uh, where uh, where he's uh, gone to. And uh, Jeff Slater does join us on the line now. Jeff, uh, to you, it's good afternoon. For us, it's good morning. <laughs> good morning to both of you. G'day, Doc. It's, uh, I suppose it's akin in some ways to living uh, um, because in somewhere like the Gold Coast, because it's all pretty modern and new, isn't it? Um, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Uh, it's being the, the capital of Ohio, it's quite a cosmopolitan, so there's a lot of elements very, I'd probably say it's closer to Sydney, although Sydney inland. All right. And of course, uh, the big news for Jeff this year was the birth of his son in uh, late March, Jensen to uh, Sadie and Jeff Slater. Jensen... Bentley Slater. Well, that's uh, quite a handle. Congratulations. A, a great racing name. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You must be getting a lot of time with the current situation to spend with with him in these uh, early months of his life. It's actually a great time to be in isolation with just uh, a newborn child and my wife. So we're getting plenty of time together. But having said that, I'm still working from home, so I still get uh, plenty of hours in a day where I get to do some work. What is working in home look like? Uh, for now, there's several things. Uh, a lot of it catching up on a lot of things that got missed over the last year and this year and uh, developing ideas of how we want to go forward. Um, and one of the recent additions is uh, investigating this racing thing, which seems to be a big uh, obviously, it's exploded with the whole self-isolation, and um, our team would like to get more involved with it and see how we can uh, yeah, deal, deal with the, the current climate. How do you mean get involved, though? With building simulators or having a having a team on the racetrack? Uh, <coughs> more supporting the MW side of it. So our drivers race in an IMSA series over here. So if we can support them in any way, shape, or form, that's more the direction we want to head. Our BMW North America uh, obviously has several drivers that uh, are employed that drive for Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. And if there's any way that we can uh, speed up their productivity in learning, because uh, many of them are quite new to the, the, the sim world, if there's any way that we can speed up their um, introduction, that, that's, that's what we're trying to do. Are all the tracks that okay. you race on, are all those tracks already on iRacing or how do you get to learn tracks when they're not 
uh, already scanned and, and available on that platform? Uh, from that side of it, uh, BMW themselves has um, a, a group of sim guys that are developing their tracks, and, and I'm sure that they're already in the, 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 the iRacing world. Jeff, um, how did you end up deciding to go to the States? I mean, you'd been working uh, for about, what, eight years in, in supercars here? Uh, 13 years in supercar. 13, right, okay. Uh, it, it was a, a different challenge I was going for. Um, it was either looking at a European market or the United States market, uh, something with international appeal. Um, and that's one of the reasons I uh, you know, applied for the job and and doing the DT racing with Ray Hollard and the Lanigan, the appeal of doing you know a Daytona 24-hour or you know, some of the great tracks around America, Road America, Mid Ohio, even the Long Beach race. You know, America has some fantastic race tracks, and um, it was just a, a yeah another element to, to try after um, doing the challenges of what Australia presents, trying to see what I could present and take to the world stage and see how it went. The car is uh, in size and weight and things like that, very similar to a supercar, um, but you're racing in a very different category because uh, it's um, you don't have – there's not a balance of parity, is there, uh, or balance of performance there, there is a balance uh, of adjustment? With, there, there, there is, okay. And another, another unique function of our racing is there's multiple categories in the one race. So you have your DPIs, your, your outright class, you have the GTLM class, which is our class, which are basically GT3 cars with a bit better aero, a bit better engine, you know, more of a race car itself, and then the GTD cars, which are GT3 cars. Obviously, you have the uh, factory BMW team with uh, Lanigan, uh, Letterman and Lanigan, rather. Um, uh, what other t- factory yep. teams are competing there? Uh, I believe uh, Porsche has some factory influence over a team. So obviously, Americans are supported by the factory. So there's Core Racing, which is the Porsche team. There's the Corvette team. Um, last year, there was Team Ganassi, which was the Ford uh, GT program, and obviously Ray Holland and Lennington with the uh, BMW program. Where does the BMW influence start and finish at Ray Hall, Letterman, Langdon? Uh, in terms of what? I mean, they've been a factory BMW team for about 11 years now, I think. Um, they were Porsche before that, I believe. Uh, don't quote me on that one. Uh, and I think it was just um, yeah, the challenge that they accepted back then and they've, uh, yeah, run, run with it and been BMW supporters since, um, yeah, 11 years. Is the design philosophies in these cars significantly different to what we see in Australia? Uh, I'm sure every element has something that's uh, consistent, whether it be a V8 supercar or a, a GT car. Or, um, but, I mean, fundamentally, this is a, a car that has a lot more error than what we do. Um, there's multiple engine uh, configurations between the Porsche, Ferrari, Ford, Corvette, and the BMW. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yes, that would be the bigger functionality, I would say, differences between the Australian market and the world market. You've got um, four drivers in each car um, in obviously the 24-hour events, but normally it would just be two drivers? Uh, We have two drivers for the sprint races, and the sprint races 
we have one which is a 100-minute race at Long Beach and then several of two-hour 40. So that was another attraction. A sprint race in America is you know, probably the length of, of Sandown, you know, two, two hours 40. Um, and then for the longer events, we have a six-hour event, which we still do two drivers, and then everything over six hours is three drivers or four drivers for the 24-hour. And, of course, one of the attractions uh, for you also was the fact that you've got a, a fellow Australian in uh, Chaz Mostert to uh, join the team. Uh, He's been there had two years Chaz, now. Uh, yeah, Chaz, well, Chaz started in 2018 uh, with Ray Holland and Manigan and then uh, joined me last year and this year for the Daytona events. And luckily enough, we run one this year. Um, how many events have you run? Uh, we've just done uh, the Daytona 24. The week of the Sebring 12-hour race is when the whole uh, COVID-19 issue really took off. So everyone's been in shutdown since then. And and when did the factory close down? Or it hasn't closed down. It's it's now uh, slumbering. Um, the the factory pretty much closed down. Uh, I would say the first second week of March, second week of March, and then everyone's just been working from home since then. How are teams? managing this period because uh, mechanics and that sort of thing that can only work physically on the car are in a vastly yeah. different position to someone like yourself who's working on a, a lot of other uh, processes and and formulas. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we have our uh, crew basically doing online courses to try and keep them up to date with things um, try and keep their, their, their spirit up. Um, when we will reopen, we'll work in like a functionality where one car crew will go in for one day or one week and another car crew will go in for the, the, the altering, altering week. For that week. Um, but right now, yeah, it's trying to keep their spirits up since everyone is pretty much locked in their own homes right now. And is there any idea of how long you're going to be in this limbo? Uh, I believe um, Ohio itself is going to uh, reduce the restrictions from March 1 or March 2, should I say, um, and then we'll decide you know, what, what level of, of interaction with, with, with each other we will take. Um, I think the engineers will probably still be able to work from home with no issue, but we'll we'll try and proceed with getting mechanics into the shop and, and doing what they can. Is that May one? Do you mean May one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, life in in America, working, you know, it'd, it'd be a larger team than uh, ones you've worked in. I mean, you you've worked in uh, some teams that have some substance to them in in size, but. Uh, Techno, for instance, wasn't a very large team. That would be a dramatic contrast with uh, where you are now in a in a factory uh, team, a major car manufacturer's team. It, it's uh, vastly different. Basically, uh, working for a team that was an IndyCar team that transformed itself into a GT team. Um, there's a lot more scope, and a lot more personnel going on, and and you now financially, budget budget wise, there's a lot more going on. So. It's completely different from the techno environment I worked at, and uh, it it's a, it provides its own challenges, but no, it's good. 
One of the things also about it would be the fact that Bobby Rail has uh, quite a presence. He's a very large dealer uh, in Ohio, in Columbus, isn't he? He is, yeah. Yeah. Do you get to see him much? Is, is he involved uh, quite a bit in the team, day to day? We see him on race weekends, and it, he is kept in, in the loop of what, what happens. Uh, we have daily meetings. Well, the managed part have daily meetings and, and all weekly updates. We'll run through Bobby, and I'm sure uh, Letterman and Lanigan are both informed on the whole scenario of what's happening, but uh, we really see Bobby on race weekends. He's, he makes his presence known, um, brings his experience to the track, and it's great to see. Just looking at the comparison of a supercar team and, uh, as you say, longer races and so a factory presence, uh, the way in which you operate um, in your role as a race engineer, and you also work in the, as a design engineer on the cars? No, no design. So it's a factory team, obviously, being a GT production-based car, um, there's, there's no adjustments or design adjustments that we can do without, first of all, BMW approving it and then going through the FIA for whatever uh, changes are required. So we will do some work for BMW you know, if we're looking for certain things, but then BMW ultimately have to say on what gets done and then they have to go through the, the appropriate channels for it to be um, allowed. What's your race team operate? Obviously, you knew the system well and truly about uh, in supercars, you know, what you were required to do, the, the um, meetings you had to go to, whether they be uh, team managers' briefings or uh, um, the driver briefings. A similar sort of role in the States is what you what you have to do there? Uh, it is very, very similar, but it's also it's more structured. So, you know, basically... You know, 10 minutes after a practice session or any session, we're in the truck, we're doing our debriefs. Um, it's structured in the sense of it runs through BMW's input and Ray Hall, Lerman Leningen's input, uh, driver's input, and then obviously a structured approach of what changes get done for the next one. Uh, as far as meetings and things like that, it's structured that the team manager will go to those and the race engineers focus on what they need to do. Well, I saw the photos of the, the wind at uh, the 24-hour race. Uh, there's a large crew there on the podium with you, with all the drivers and yourself and uh, a large number of people. Well, it, it was the, the presence of BMW. So we had a lot of uh, corporate guests with, um, with BMW. BMW had a large presence there. I'm not sure if you saw in the background, but there was a BMW box that obviously the corporate side was sitting in. So majority of those people aren't actually involved with the racing side of it. But it was great to see that you know, one of the board members you know, was was there at, at, from BMW, was at Daytona, and Jens was in the photo. And he offered a lot of support during the Daytona event um, and our whole program. And then, you know, obviously there was quite a few people. I, I can't name half of them, to be honest. In a 24-hour race, we know that there's three, four drivers uh, that are all sharing their time in the car. Are you at the computer monitor? Are you doing the 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 you know overview of the data for that whole twenty four hours as well, or do you have people that shift the whole twenty four hours? So there's no, so no relief. The, the engineering staff and the mechanics. There's no no relief. The engineering staff and the mechanics were at the helm for twenty four hours. You know, <clears throat> excuse me. We we basically arrived at the track. Uh, I'm trying to think, I think it was about 9 o'clock in the morning and we didn't leave the track until 7 o'clock the next day, 7 p.m. the next day. So we were there 
we did everything. Uh, we were involved with everything, and the drivers. I mean, the drivers have the risk element of what goes on and and uh, managing themselves on track. So, yep, I can understand that they they need some rest, but it's a long day for the mechanics and the engineers. Knowing the way in which, particularly factory teams, they'd have a lot of input into the, the way in which you'd be, you'd get some breaks and the food you'd be given, manage it so that you know to maximise uh, your health and and uh, well-being. More so, the 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 RLL side managed uh, our food and our everything that went on. BMW did provide a doctor and physio, and um, I think there were two doctors, so they were looking after. Our well-being when we're on the track, uh, on on the pit wall, uh, looking after the mechanics if they had any injuries, as well as looking after the drivers from that side of it. From when you park up at a IMSA race to when you leave, how different is that weekend structure to what we see in an Australian motor racing weekend? It's very similar. Very similar. Um, obviously, we park up, we set up. The day before, just like we do in supercars, uh, the pit facility is obviously different. In supercars, the pit garages are on pit lane, whereas um, in, in this championship, basically in America itself, you have garages that are either away from the track and you drive your car to the, the pit wall or you set your truck up as a garage. So some tracks we have a, a pit garage, some tracks we use our trucks um, and set up a garage in between the two trucks. Um, other than that, you've got your practice sessions, you've got your qualifying, you've got your, uh, your your race. So the whole process is very similar. There's just subtle differences between how the Americans do it and how the Australians do it. Is there as much fan interaction with in-pit lane and, and then drivers being <laughs> wheeled away for a whole range of uh, media and, and PR events throughout the weekend? That still happens. I mean, you, obviously, being a factory-based team, the drivers still go to corporate events, so they're still dragged away to be involved in with BMW's group somewhere. Um, we still have interactions with fans. Uh, we still have interactions with. I mean, sponsors aren't the, the biggest thing because it's a factory-based team, but we still you know, walk our uh, BMW supporters through our pit pit area, and you know, so it, there's a lot of similarity. Obviously, financially, uh, a lot of money comes from BMW for us. In Australia, financially, a lot of money comes from the sponsors. So you, you need to really look after the sponsors there. Is there anything you've brought into the into the team that was different, that was Australian? Uh, just, I think my philosophy on um, how, how we set cars up in Australia versus how they set cars up here. Um, nothing really. I'm, I'm sure there's subtle elements that I've brought to the to the table, but uh, I won't say I transport the team. I've worked with the team to maximise what they had and maximise what knowledge I had to make the cars better. How large a uh, race engineering team is there? How many other people? How many uh, race engineers? Uh, we have two race engineers per car, two performance engineers each car, <coughs> and, and two system engineers. So race engineer is the race engineer, strategies, car setups, everything like that. Uh, we have a performance engineer. So a performance engineer is basically a data engineer, but with a heavily 
more involvement on vehicle dynamics and things like that. And then the systems engineer is the data engineer with more emphasis on the electrical side of it. How did you so, prepare yourself for that role, that strategy role and understanding how IMSA works? Um, preparation, I mean, what we do in Australia can carry over here. I mean, there's, there's I know there's two of us. There's uh, Irish is also in the same category as I am. And what we did in Australia is very much relatable to what we do here with, with how we do the setup, with how we run a session, with how we analyze the data, with how we call the strategy. I mean, there's, there's no you know, hidden secret, I would say, of, of what we do. It, it is applicable no matter which environment you're in. Looking at the things, the, the factory give you a car, how long beforehand in the season do you actually have the know what the specs of the car is? What, you know, when, when is it not physically arrived, but when you know what uh, you're going to be racing with? We had two months preparation for the start of this season. That's a fair amount of time to, uh, to get to know it all. Um, it's obviously, you obviously had yeah. great success. I mean, uh, winning the 24 hours was uh, something that I imagine that you've uh, thought of for some years. Uh, it, it, it's been one of those races that everyone wants to win and it's fantastic that uh, I got to win it on my second attempt. I mean, my first attempt, I had Alex Zanardi as one of my drivers and that itself is, is a dream to have a, a driver like Alex Zanardi in the car. And then to go and win it in the second year, it's, it's fantastic. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a good run. We had a, a bad year last year. We had a lot of uh, dramas with the car. We've had a few mistakes. So it was good to start the year with a, a, a solid result. Just looking in the in the short term, um, you obviously will be getting uh, back to racing in the near future. Um, Ohio, uh, uh, I think you'd mentioned to me that the uh, governor has uh, done a very good job, unlike uh, some governors in America who seem to have been fairly loose with the uh, way in which they run things. Um, that's meant that Ohio has uh, got a, a lower rate than most other states in the US that made life a bit bit more pleasant? Uh, it, it has. I mean, I would say that uh, where we live, they reacted extremely well to me. Was there, as there was one case, basically the whole state shut down. They didn't let it drag on. They didn't argue anything. The governor stepped up, did what he needs to do, and uh, I think the state's in a better position because of it. Let's just turn our focus now to uh, the change that's going to be happening in the next, maybe not next two years, maybe slightly more than that. In Australia, you were heavily involved uh, in a team in Australia, a very successful team here, and uh, you know that uh, there's been developments underway with uh, Gen 3. Have you uh, kept across some of those changes that are coming or the proposed? I haven't uh, really looked at uh, what's what's being presented as far as the, the Gen 3 has concerned. One of the things, of course, is that them trying to attract some new manufacturers uh, and look, it was mooted uh, several times that BMW had been looking. Um, I imagine that you wouldn't know if that was the case or not. Um, it certainly would uh, make it interesting <laughs> if a European manufacturer stepped in. It, it would. It would. The, the hard thing with the Australian market is it's the Australian market. Attracting um, worldwide manufacturers to come there, it, unless the series you know, does branch out overseas like it has in the past, it's going to be extremely hard to justify to an international you know, car manufacturer to come to Australia and make something for a domestic market. I think that's the, the, the toughest challenge that the Australian or well, supercars faces.
What do you think so, is the most important thing that supercars need to achieve with the Gen 3 car, having worked on both previous generations? You, you must know there's a few things that, if, if adjusted, could make the cars themselves a lot better. But I don't know if they need to make it better, they need to make it cheaper. They need to make it uh, more readily available that uh, any team can run a car effectively. Um, not everyone has a Penske budget or a AAA budget, and you want maximum competition. So you want, I mean, it was a shame that you know, Gary Rogers pulled out this year, basically struggling, struggling financially as well as whatever else is going on, but... You, you want the people like Gary Rogers to be involved. You want as many teams and as many cars on the grid to be able to you know, present sponsors, you know, good racing on, on the track. Um, and that's the biggest problem, I think, is without the cars, you don't need to dumb them down technologically too much because then you find that engineers or mechanics or whatever want to go to another series, uh, to go overseas, to to expand what they know or, or to learn more. Um, but there's going to be some cost measurements, cost reduction measurements, should I say, that uh, it's easily affordable for all teams to be able to have you know, as many cars on the grid, m- multiple cars in their facility, uh, parts are cheap, you know, manufacturers. Teams, AAA do a great job. I don't want to mock them in any way. AAA do a great job, but... Now they kind of have a monopoly with they build the pedal boxes and they build this, it, and they do a great job. Again, I'm not mocking them, but it should be open for anyone to make the cost far cheaper. And of course, the other part of it is that the cars themselves. Your cars are far more production based than the one that runs in Australia. I, I would say normal GT cars are. Uh, ours are a bit more of a stretch than a normal road car. How can they then improve? the cheapness of building the car without dumbing them down? How, how do you achieve that balance? Because um, technology is expensive. Technology is expensive. And, I mean, the, the biggest thing that the Australian market had going for it, which is a great thing, but it's a very costly thing, is uh, the cars look like road cars. Now, we used automotive components from a road-going Holden or a road-going Ford on the cars, the cars automatically were associated with what people saw on on the road, and that's what drew them to, to liking it. Whereas you look at a NASCAR, and it's got a you know, plastic front end. and So you can make things a lot cheaper by doing what the NASCAR model is. Um, it's cheaper, and it's easier to work on, and therefore you can implement something like uh, a park ferme after each event where the crews can go home overnight, come back the next morning, and uh, start again at 9 o'clock in the morning as opposed to working all night because our components are so difficult um, just because that, that's, that's the look that we were presenting. And it's a great look, but it's a costly look, whether it costs in terms of money or uh, you know, the productivity of the mechanics and the, the time that they have to, to repair everything. That needs to be looked at because you don't want to lose that element that takes what people associate supercars with but at the same time, it costs a lot of money, and it's uh, yeah. So that's one part that needs to look at. I mean, there's so many parts that need to look at. I'm not going to sit here and say I know 
what needs to be done. But yeah, there's a lot of lot of little things that they can do to make make the product a better product because ultimately fans just want to see racing on track. You don't want to take the technology away, but they don't care. Again, twin springs were taken away this year. A fan doesn't care if there were two springs in the car or one spring or eight springs. They just want the cars on the track racing each other. And you you were talking there, I guess, about repairability of the car. The cars, yeah. do they need to be more modular in their design? You know, from the firewall forward, should they come apart in three, four uh, pieces? that then you can have that ready to bolt straight in. Absolutely. Module, uh, I can't even say it, tongue-tied, is what the the category needs. I mean, cost-effectiveness and repairability are the two things to make the cars much cheaper to work on. Mm. And you sort of answered my uh, other question that I had. Uh, We've gone down this mandatory control part um, strategy Whereas uh, I, I think you're quite clearly saying multiple suppliers providing technically comparable parts, they might give you the same overall performance, but in different areas they have their strengths, would also then mean that the suppliers have to be a bit more uh, cutting edge with their price. Yeah, exactly. Of course, RLL um, are a team that still operates in IndyCar. You run the three cars there, do you? Two, two cars and then the third car for the Indy 500. Working with uh, American, and, and I suppose they're basically American, are they? Or are the crews made up of other nationalities as well? Uh, majority of them are American. Uh, last year I had an Australian data engineer who's now left and gone to another team. Um, and we one of our performance engineers is English, but majority of them are from America. I know when I worked over there, Doc, right. there's an Australian over there was... Uh, a very rare thing. They didn't quite know how to take it. But now there's so many Australians working here in America. It seems like a, a normal rite of passage. Yeah, it's, it's great to get to a track and, and hear a familiar accent. I think they're now appreciating what the Australian market can bring. I mean, I, I look at one, the online racing, and you've got you know, Scott McLaughlin and Shane Van Gisbergen winning and getting podiums in their you know, IndyCar racing and IMSA racing and things like that. Uh, they're branching out to the world. I think supercar and Australian element is becoming a factor in the worldwide environment. And in the short term, uh, uh, there's obviously a series to run this year. Um, do you know how many events there will be as part of the calendar yet, or is that still uh, being planned? Uh, currently, the only one that's been cancelled officially is Long Beach. Um, they are looking at what they do with Mid-Ohio because they're shuffling that back to later in the year, but I think there might be a conflict with Le Mans and um, either Spa or Nürburgring 24 hours. So potentially two events won't be run. Um, they may put another event in there somewhere, but everything else, as far as I know, is got the green light and they've shuffled Sebring back to November uh, to put that back on the calendar. It's a very different schedule to the one you're used to, although you know, here, of course, Adelaide is a big event in itself, but it's not a, a big endurance, a single car driver for here, whereas you start with Daytona over there, and uh, it's just a very different-looking calendar, isn't it, to uh, as Australia? It's quite shocking that, you know, in supercars, you start with Adelaide 500, uh, and then you have all these sprint races, and you slowly build up 
two endurance events at Stand Down and Bathurst. Whereas being thrust into a 24-hour race is your first event and my first event officially in America. It was something something very different. Uh, I've done several 12 hours in Australia, but a 24-hour is just uh, completely from beast in itself. Now, the birth of your son um, obviously uh, has uh, changed your life dramatically, always when you take uh, another person into your fold. Um, but uh, has it meant something different to, in terms of your longevity in America or um, what's happened there? I mean, Sadie obviously has uh, went there with a job in mind but uh, didn't get around to doing much of it. Uh, we'll take it take it on a daily basis. Right now, we'll, we'll uh, get through the year. We'll see what, what's happening. We always came over here with a two- or three-year plan and then see what would evolve out of that. Um, and whether it was come back to Australia or try a different market and, and go to Europe or try an Asian uh, series. Uh, right now, we'll just focus on getting through the year, making sure the little guy grows up healthy and, and uh, see where we go. All right. Well, Jeff, it's been fantastic to catch up with you and certainly uh, pleased that things have uh, worked out as well this year so far and look forward to uh, watching the results and seeing on a regular basis the uh, RLL team uh, making it on the podium. Um, Jeff uh, Slater, it's been uh, fantastic to hear your voice again and uh, know that things have, uh, well, uh, obviously turned upside down with the uh, COVID virus. It's uh, it's still a, a life of racing in America. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's it's been great talking to you, Craig and Tony. And hopefully, I uh, get to talk to you again soon. Well, inside supercars, uh, that's it for another week. An international view from somebody who's been at the very top tree, top of the tree in uh, inside supercars and inside the supercar category. Jeff uh, certainly uh, is uh, experienced a very different life as a race engineer, Craig, in in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, he sounds like he's uh, really enjoying what he is uh, experiencing over there and getting a, a bit of a bonus as well, having so much time with um, with Jensen. Yeah, his newborn, yes. Um, well, that's it for this week. Tomorrow night, of course, we'll be having the uh, third round of the E-Series and uh, internationally again, we'll be having uh, people turning to... To look and see as to how Simona and Willpower will be performing there. So uh, it'll be uh, good to catch up again uh, later this week. So that's it for Inside Supercars. From me, thank you. And good night from him. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more. Or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.